Mike and I got my linemate Matt with me. And today we're going to go over the last two Blackhawks games. It's versus the Yotes and the Kraken. Uh, we're going to go over the craziness that happened with uh, Anaheim and the and the Yotes as well. And some NHL news and some fan questions, which is a fun a new thing that we're doing, uh, getting fans to ask us some questions. More people are, are, are getting involved with it. So um, it, it's really cool. So let's start off. The Hawks dropped. The game versus the Yotes, um, it was an embarrassing, you know, effort, and they were officially out of playoff contention. Uh, not much changed versus the Kraken, uh, 2-0 loss to the Kraken. Um, a lot of, a lot of uh, bad puck luck. Uh, Seth Jones hit the hit, you know, hit the post. Kaner hit the post. Uh, you know, just couldn't get any goals. Uh, and you know, it, it it is what it is. We're at a point now where. I think that we should be seeing what some of the guys down in Rockford have, um, instead of uh, you know maybe maybe resting Kaner a bit, maybe resting uh, you know resting Taves, you know some of the some of the older guys, uh, you know on on the team and and, and get them, uh, you know maybe get them off quicker so they could start a start their, you know their summer their summer workouts you know sooner, so. Uh, I mean, it's disappointing. We we knew what it was already. The Blackhawks weren't going to make the playoffs on paper at the beginning of the season. You know, they were pretty primed to, to do it, but, you know, it's not the case now. So one of the bright spots of the Thursday night game was uh, Marion Hosta signed a one-day contract to, uh, you know, retire as a Blackhawk. And that's a big deal because Hosta was a was a huge part of this of this team. And he was a huge part of the organization, and it's it's good to see him get recognized for it. To be honest with you, the guy looks to be in incredible shape and could probably still play and and teach these guys something. Uh, you know, maybe they could bring him on as an advisor to help uh, mentor some of the younger players uh, and and how to play the the forward position. You know, the way that he did because he played it a very very good way. Um, I remember just seeing the guy, and it just seemed like it was impossible to get him. And get him knocked off the puck, but uh, you know it was absolutely incredible. Uh, Lucas Reichel is back up, and he's playing with Taves and Doc, uh, which could be interesting. I'd like to see, you know, how this, you know, how these three guys play with each other because, you know, they're all sort of playmakers. So I don't really see the advantage here. You know, Taves is a, is a pass guy. He could shoot, but you know he's a pass guy. Uh, Doc is definitely a pass guy, and and Reichel is kind of just trying to find his way. So, you know, I'll, I mean, I'll 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 do, I'll do anything, you know, at this point, just trying to see, if, you know, what guys have, what kind of chemistry they can get with each other, and uh, especially with Reichel coming up, getting another taste of the, of of the big league. Uh, I don't want to see his, you know, his eligibility, you know, kind of wasted. But we kind of get into that into that later on. So um, we're gonna. I'm gonna hand it off to Matt, and Matt's gonna get us started. So Matt, what kind of NHL news do you got for us? All right, Ryan Getzloff is calling it a career. He retired the other day. He played his entire career with the Anaheim Ducks, Stanley Cup champion. Mike, do you think he is a Hall of Famer? Uh, I think he is, man. He came into the league in a in a storm, won the Stanley Cup with uh, Corey Perry. I think that he's put up some good numbers during his career. Uh, won some, well, he's won one cup, and then he won a couple gold medals with the uh, you know the Canadian team. I think that uh, I think that he will. What do you think? 
Yeah, I think he's well-deserving. He's got over 1,000 games played. He's almost at 1,000 points. I think he's at uh, 982, I believe. Wow. I'm just surprised like he didn't want to hit that milestone, but yeah. you know, he, he he's obviously out of gas, and he doesn't want to hurt his team. You know, he, he's probably a... Gonna be uh in the fr- in the front office uh, pretty soon helping this team grow and they got a good future. They got some some good players. Trevor Zegers obviously is a freak. He's a puck mag- magician and uh, Troy Terry is a good goal scorer. I've always thought Gibson's been a very underrated goalie. Good good guy to build around and so I think they're in the right hands. I, I know they uh they just fired um Bob Murray this year and they they brought in um. Pat Verbeek, uh, I think he actually he actually coached Kaner in juniors or before juniors, I want to say. So this guy knows knows talent and uh, good for Ryan Getzlaff. Yes, he's well deserving of a Hall of Famer. You know, it's it's kind of uh, kind of crazy to think that some of these guys are re- are retiring now. It's too bad that he couldn't make it. You know, at least another what eighteen games after um yeah. you know after his career, but. You know, when the body tells you, I, you know, there isn't nothing left. You know, there's nothing left, and that's that's unfortunate for him. Yeah, he's a he's a underestimate under underrated playmaker. I mean, he I know he didn't score much, but that that year Perry got 50 goals. I think Corey Perry was just interviewed, and he was really emotional about it. He's like, if it wasn't for him, I I would never want a rocket. This guy was throwing me passes, and I just had to bury it into the open net. So. There's a huge respect there, and I, I know he's well-respected in the league. He's got like a warrior in the playoffs. He was blocking shots with his face, and I remember watching that Stanley Cup year. That was a very good Ducks team. I think they, Chris Pronger was on that team. He won his first yeah. Cup. Uh, Both Niedermeyer. Yeah, the Niedermeyer brothers. Uh, Dan, uh, Dustin Penner, he had a good, good, uh, good run, and then <laughs> got picked up by the Oilers with an offer sheet. It was a whole dramatic summer with that and uh uh jean sebastian jaguer jiggy and uh <laughs> Ilya briskalov two two really good goalies i know uh briskalov had a weird career after it he kind of bounced around and he was a very weird dude but uh that was a that was a good cup run wow so moving on and this is a really interesting one right here is doug wilson stepping down after 19 years with the Sharks. I'll be honest with you. I think he should have stepped down nine years ago. <laughs> yeah. Former I, Hawk. Former Hawk. Yeah. Very good Hawk. I think he scored 30 goals on the blue line one year with the Blackhawks. He was very, a very good offensive uh, minded uh, defenseman. And um, I, for me, the whole, the worst part about his GM run was letting Pavelski go. I know I say yeah. it all the time. How the hell can you do that? That's like us getting rid of Taves for a guy like, you know, like a Drew Doughty who's good. But I, I, I admit, maybe that's not a good comparison. But no, <laughs> I just, I, I just don't understand. It's just like getting rid of Taves for a, a guy who gets a lot of points. Being a defenseman doesn't do much. Yeah. And this guy was a heart and soul guy. Loved the city, loved the team. The fans loved him. I think he would do anything for that club. I, I know he, he, they got close getting the Stanley Cup a couple times. But they let him go because they didn't want to give him an extra year or something, which is ridiculous. And they ended up overpaying Carlson. And I think for me, that's what killed his, killed his um, 
reputation. I, I just I didn't understand it. And uh, since then, they haven't been that good. I know they I, they made the final, but they got like destroyed by Pittsburgh. It wasn't even it was one of the most boring Stanley Cup finals I've ever watched. Wow. You know, I think that that the not signing Pavelski was a huge deal, man. I mean, he's been so solid of a player his entire career. Very dependable. Can he can get you that goal when you really need it? And um and he came up with that what's what San Jose as well. Yeah, home homegrown. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's kind of especially for for Carlson. I mean, Carlson, yeah, he put up points, man, but he he was a lot I mean, even back then and now he was a liability on the blue line. Uh, he's always been a minus player, and I, I just, I just thought that that was just a bad call. Yeah, that that's what ruined it for me. And I, I respected him. I, I love what Dougie Wilson did when he brought in Joe Thornton. That was a, yes. I believe that I was a senior in high school when that happened, and I'm like, oh my god, the Sharks just got Joe Thornton. This guy's an unbelievable playmaker, and then. Joe Thornton turns Jonathan Chichu into a freaking rocket winner. Yeah. Chichu, who is this guy? It doesn't matter. Joe Thornton's been setting him up, and he's just been burying open netters. Setaguchi uh, was... was, Yeah, uh, Setaguchi, another 30-goal guy. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick Marlowe was good on that team. And then, you know what? uh, Danny Healy. uh, Danny Healy, Patrick Marlowe, and uh, and, uh, Joe Thornton line was incredible one year. Even their de- even their defense, the Vlasic they had, uh, I believe they had Brian Boyle, who was a Stanley Cup champion with right. uh, what was it, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning in 04. And then they Nabokov was always a good goalie. They had Nidamaki, who was a good goalie. And then after we won, he stole Niemi from us, and Niemi was really mm-hmm. good for him. And then Niemi kind of fell off the planet. But still, I mean, he he had some good moves, but then... He had some weird moves. Like, what are you doing? Why would you? Why would you let Pavelski go to Dallas? I right. mean, he's gonna haunt you four times a year. And he, and I mean, they had a good core coming in, Logan Couture, and I, I just don't get it, man. And this year was weird too. I, Reamer was your starting goalie. And I know Brett Burns is still a good, entertaining guy to watch. Uh, he's he's gonna solid. fall off soon. He is because he has no support. It's just Logan Couture out there, pretty much, and um, they still no Tommy Hurdle. Yeah, you know what though? I, his name was in the trade rumors the whole, the, the freaking whole uh, the season, and and then the whole Evander Kane thing. That kind of yeah. that wasn't his fault. Yeah, it, it wasn't because Wilson's he was fault. actually he was producing was for them. He, he was, was doing what he needed yeah. to do, but it was the off ice issues that was the problem. Yeah. Dougie, you know, it was a good pickup, but it's just it didn't work out. But what I didn't get was like, okay, you, you signed a guy for $13 million a year. You you filled in a hole, I guess, but you dug like four more because yeah. you, you don't have a goalie. You don't have a leader. A uh, heart and soul guy like Pavelski. Dallas just re-signed him. That's how important he is to a one-year right. deal. But, yeah, for me, I mean, he's cool. He was a Blackhawk. Yeah, I mean, I was too young. I didn't really get to see him. I probably did, but I don't remember. But, yeah, for me, uh, I'm just going to always remember that, <laughs> letting Pavelski go and nothing else, really. Yeah, I don't think I ever got to see Tom Wilson play. Dougie. Dougie I mean, I'm sorry, Dougie Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Wilson, God. You saw him. We see him a lot. Yeah, yeah we <laughs> see him all the time. I actually, uh, Ronick is, uh, him and Ronick are good friends, aren't they? Him and Dougie Wilson? Yeah, I, I remember uh, Ronick was... 
in bad he was in a bad you know bad ways and he couldn't get a team and i i believe this was kane and taves rookie year was at uh, 08 right um i think was it, it was the 007 or 08 yeah Dougie Wilson signed Ronick to be on the fourth line. He goes, hey, I want you to help us get over the hump, be that role player, chase that Stanley Cup. And Ronick ended up getting his 500 goals. Uh, I remember when he came back to the United Center, it was, they were honoring Makita and Hall. And Ronick went out there to you know do the, fir- the puck drop, the ceremonial puck drop with right. Taves, Bobby Hall, and Makita. And... I think that was his last year, but Ronick, he wanted to win a cup, and he always respected the Sharks. And, and I think you're right. I think him and Dougie are good friends. Obviously, Dougie was a veteran when Ronick was coming up with the Blackhawks, and I'm sure he took it, took him in under his wing and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I think they are good friends. So, we're going to talk about the hot topic. All right, I want to get into that. Okay. Let's talk about the scrum. With uh, that's that actually Trevor Zegers started. Yep. You want to go first? No, I want I want you to go first. Okay. Well, I watched this this whole thing at least ten times, and on the last time, I told myself, you know what, mute Tyson Nash because I it doesn't matter. Tyson Nash is calling what's in front of him he's not calling the game and the players are reacting to his call so what i noticed first was yes the ducks were outskilling them they were outscoring them they probably were being little hot dogs but guess what that that's that, who cares they're it's not their job to worry about the phoenix coyotes feelings right number one okay but as far as this fight trevor zegris went into the goalie as the goalie was sitting on the puck. And that's, to me, that's a frozen puck right there. The, the ref lost sight of the puck, blew the whistle, Zegers throws in a poke check. Maybe it was at the same time, but still, that's a no-no. You, you don't touch the goalie, ever. Or you're gonna, someone's gonna come and get you. And Jay Beagle was right there. Yes, he cross-checked him. I'm okay with that. He's defending his goalie. Beagle kind of skated away a little bit to the side. Troy Terry comes in full speed, puts his hands up to his face. To me, man, if I'm standing there and a guy's coming at me like that, those are fighting words to me. Like, okay, this guy wants to go. So (laughs) Beagle dropped the gloves, and he pretty much, he he laid the beat down on this kid. This kid was not ready for that. (laughs) And quite honestly... I don't know why he would go after him. It's 5 nothing. Yes, you saw it. I, I guess I, he's defending his teammate, which is cool. That's good on him. But, dude, you're a goal scorer. You're not a fighter. And now your face is damaged. <laughs> your eye looks terrible. You look like Rocky right now after he just fought Creed. But <laughs> you should not worry about that stuff. And that's why I am a huge fan of having an enforcer on the team. Even if... If with with skill, I I consider Ryan Reeves an enforcer, but he could play. But let's let's just be hypothetical here. If Ryan Reeves was on the Ducks bench, do you think Beagle would have the balls to do what he just did to Terry and Zegers? I don't think so. I think Beagle would be like, "Shit, if I'm going to do this, Reeves is going to get me the next shift, and he's probably going to punch my face and worse than I did to Terry." 
So this is my take on it. I think that this was blown up and people are just mad at Tyson Nash because he said that this is what's going to happen if you outskill us, be prepared to be punched in the mouth. Yeah, it was kind of stupid. But, I mean, it has nothing to do with Tyson Nash, quite honestly. That's just his take on it. He's defending. He's a homer. He's defending the Coyotes. That's his job. A lot of announcers do that. But I'm a little old school about this. If you touch the goalie, you better be prepared to answer. Zegers, there was a dead puck. Zegers went to poke at it. And it, it was a 5 to nothing game at this point. Third period. And he's poking at the puck. Okay. Gets cross-checked. And then the fight ensues. Troy Terry... Uh, gets to beat down from from Jay Beagle, and that's it. It's what happens afterwards that I have a problem with, is when Zegers is being interviewed, and he's saying that essentially, you know, goal scores shouldn't be fought with. They they shouldn't be touched, which I completely disagree with. Um, he mentioned that it was a five to nothing game in the third period. You know, what did it matter? And it's like, hey, dude, if, if that's your take on it, then what are you poke checking at the puck for then if it's a mm-hmm. five to nothing game? And this is the problem that we have in the NHL today without having the enforcer is that we have these skilled guys running around thinking that it's their world doing whatever they want. And you know what? They need to be policed on it. Look at what Subban's doing. He's over here slew footing people. No, let me tell you, if... If the um, if the Devils are playing the Predators, or let's say the Devils are playing the Blackhawks, and Stu Grimson is on the bench, do you think that PK Subban's going to be slew-footing people? No, that's not going to happen. And you could say the vice versa for for the uh, for the Ducks and the and the Coyotes. If you've got these guys out here that are just taking their own liberties. And you know what, dude, you're going to get checked on it and you should get checked on it. Uh, I I don't think that there's any, um, I don't want to say privilege, but it sure as hell sounds like it from Trevor Zegers that he feels that uh, skilled guys can just go out there and do what they want. I completely disagree with that. And you know what? Troy Terry paid the price for what you were doing, dude. So you know what? You need to take that guy out to dinner. Buy him a new watch or something. Get him a new, uh, a new Omega Speedmaster or something for taking that fucking beatdown that you caused, and that should have been him. And that's that was a lesson for Zegers to learn. That's my take on it. Um, I to be honest with you, did you see his interview afterwards? Yes. Yep. It sounded like a huge he, pussy, dude. Well, here, here is what I laughed about. He called Troy Terry a superstar. Right. <laughs> he goes, superstar shouldn't get hit like that. Right. Okay. Okay, listen, Troy Terry is having a good season, 30-something goals, very impressive, but he's not a superstar. I'm sorry. I get. I understand if Austin Matthews was getting beat like that, yes. Connor McDavid, yes. But guess what? Those two guys aren't stupid enough and dumb enough to go against a guy that's already pissed off. Yeah. That you're running the score up on them. They're not and then doing Michigan it. goals. At, you know, right, I mean, right. I'm not saying that's bad for the game because I think the Michigan, the, uh, that's, those are sweet goals. That takes incredible skill and balls to do that. Because in the olden days, if you tried to do a Michigan, 
Chris Pronger would throw you through the glass. Right. Like, if you're trying to do that on him, like, he'll come and get you. Right. But, I mean, now it's not like that. I'm not saying it's bad. I, I, I can't do it. It's incredibly hard to do, and Zegers makes it look easy. It's ridiculous. He, he even had Sonny Milano in the way. He's standing on the post, and Zegers went right around him and still scored. It's, it's amazing. But like you said, okay, dude, if, even Tamu Solani said, if the Ducks had some bigger boys, this wouldn't happen to the young Ducks. And that's, I think it's a dig at, um, Pat Verbeek for making them. They're like soft. They need they need some big bodies and they need some protection. And like I said, Ryan Reeves is on the Ducks. I don't think Beagle's got the balls to do that. And I I think Beagle was. I mean, he's been knocked out before. And that's another thing I wanted to get to. All these fans are just relentless at Beagle. Oh, he's a he's a roided out freak. He he he's he's so tough. He's beating up uh, Troy Terry. Well. And then in the, in the next tweets, they're all, oh, remember when Jay Beagle got KO'd by Aaron Asham? He was laying on the ice like dead. But why are you cheering that? That's, right. that's ridiculous. So right. I, it drove me nuts this week, and I'm glad it's over, but I'm glad we talked about it because I I feel we're both on the same page about this. Like, come on, don't be a pussy. If you're going to run the score up, it's going to happen. Yeah. But in, in a sense, I understand it's not their problem that the Coyotes suck. Right. And it's not. And they don't have to dumb down to their level or, or skill down to their level. Go ahead, run the score up. Quite honestly, remember when the Red Wings lost 11-2 to against yeah. the Penguins? I'm surprised Tyler Bertuzzi wasn't going nuts. I mean, that coach should have been fired for that. I would have been like, you know what? Since we're getting our asses kicked right now, you better go out and do something and send a message. And yeah. that's what... That's where I could see, like, hey, all right, it's gonna get bad right now. Like when when the teams are just running up the score, it was five nothing. It really wasn't like running up the score, but in the you third know, period, the Coyotes they're they're not good. It's just a wasteland for bad contracts. That's all it is. Maybe sure. in the, the next couple of years they're gonna have all these draft picks. It's gonna get better, but come on. I mean, you're you're gonna do Michigan moves and kind of just taunt the crowd, like, oh yeah, look at my goal, look at I just did. Come on, dude, it's it's an AHL team. I'll tell you so, what, dude. Zegers has taken the place of uh, of uh, Jack Hughes for me, man. <laughs> oh, those two are buddies, too. Uh, are they? So, yep, I should have fucking known these two are yep. fucking friends. <laughs> I mean, the only cool thing I like about Zegers is he, he loves Patrick Kane, and he tries to be like Patrick Kane. Obviously, he's got more, like, skill, like, doing dude. Michigan stuff. But, sorry, Patrick Kane is just a better hockey player. He, he is. He can, he, he's, he could pass the puck. He's he he's score. a better hockey player back when he was Zegers' age in every single way of the game. Uh, yep. Zegers uh, is he's incredibly talented. He is, but he's he's no Patrick where Patrick Kane was uh, where Patrick Kane was at yep. his age. I, I think Kane was a rookie of the year. I think he put up like fifty something points, maybe 60, 20 something goals, but Kaner, undersized. Kaner plays the game different. I, yeah, I mean, he does. Zegers is, uh, they only show his highlights of just cool Michigan stuff, but that that's not the the game. It's it's hockey. You have to, yeah. you know, it's not just doing sick, cool stick puck handling moves. That's what I feel like. I, I know I'm probably going to get get some heat for this, but Pavel Datsuk, yeah, cool. You deked around a guy, but what stat is a deke? I mean, he's so skilled. He deeks around guys. Yeah, so what? He only scores like twenty something goals a year. 
I think he his he was more underrated in his defensive game. Right. I mean, you're you're so worried about his cool puck. He's a wizard. Yes. Yeah, so what? Look at all the goals he prevents by playing good defense. Right. And it's just like people just they they get crazy about like a cool deke like Kale McCarr. Right. To have a, a sick deke and score, that's cool because he's actually he's he's deking and then scoring. Datsuk wouldn't do that that much. He would just like undress the guy and then what? Give it to Zetterberg and let Zetterberg score. But right. I just I just feel like people need to calm down a little bit with these uh, Zegras deeks and stuff. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable, but, like, come on. It, there's more to hockey than just deeking around people. So this kind of, you know, brings up the point. Is Does, does fighting belong in the game still? I think it does for this whole thing. I think if you're going to... You're going to hit the goalie after the whistle and then, you know, somebody bumps a guy and a guy doesn't like it. Yeah, fight. Let's fight about it. And I mean, then you take care of it. But I this question the other day, what's his name? Wayne Simmons was taunting a guy. I, I forget. I think it was Philly. Oh, no, no, it was Tampa. I'm sorry. It was uh, Patrick Maroon. These guys were yelling at each other on the bench. They're getting ready to fight next shift. They're talking about it. They get on the ice, the refs call, they blow the whistle, and give them a 10-minute game misconduct. Really? And Yeah, I'm like, why? For talking about fighting? It's like, why? Let them fight. They're, they're obviously want to, they want to spark something up in their team or something. They want to get something going. Let them go. They want to go. And they give them a 10-minute game misconduct. So they're, and fight, it, it's so hard to fight now. You, you got to fight with your helmet on. Like Dave Hansen said, you got to fight. You got to fight a visor. You got to fight a helmet. And it's like, you're, you're going to break your hand. They're just making it like, they're not going to ever say we don't want fighting. The, they don't want to lose like that old school fan. But they're doing everything they can to ban it without actually banning it, in my opinion. It also, it also begs to, to kind of bring up that how many, at what point are, is the old school fan going to be gone? Honestly, man, a lot of people, like, I know people on Twitter that I watch, like, there's this cool podcast out there. I think it's Five Minutes for Fighting. Uh-huh. He does not watch any NHL games. I listen to him. He's really good. He puts up really good fight clips, and I listen to a couple pods, and he goes, Dude, I haven't watched an NHL game probably on TV in, like, three years. He goes, it's so stupid to me. He goes... I'll like see the news and stuff. And when I saw the Carolina Hurricanes doing their storm surge thing, he goes, "What the hell happened to hockey?" He's like, "Yeah, that's cool for kids and stuff, but I'm I watch minor league games. These guys are fighting to get a job, trying to get noticed, and they're fighting because they didn't like a hit their star player got or the goalie got ran over." And he goes, "The old school ECHL leagues, even the AHL has more fighting, I think." But these West Coast Hockey League's juniors, there's more fighting. And he's like, it's just, it's old school, old time hockey. And that's what he likes. And you know what? I, I mean, I'm like kind of getting there. Like even these weak penalty calls, like Bo Byram had his arm extended and just touched Crosby's back. They called it a uh, holding. I'm like, what is this? Like, what is going on? It's become incredibly soft. Yeah, I think that there is a place in the game for for fighting, and I'm not, you know, looking. I'm not one of those guys who only shows up to games for the fights. You know, I, I think that it it is a strategic part of the game that can turn a game, 
if used properly. And, mm-hmm. and to be honest with you, I think it keeps guys um, honest because, you know, once you something happens, two guys fight it out, it's like it's over with. It's done. That's it. Yep. We're, we're moving on. So uh, I definitely think that there is a, a, a spot for fighting in, in the NHL. And I think that it should stay in the NHL. Well, I get do that you, they don't want guys getting concussions and head injuries and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. 100%. Yeah. But I, I still think that there is a spot for you know, for fighting. I, I mean, I don't want to say responsible fighting because, I don't know, that's kind of oxymoronic. But but still, I think that there is a spot for it in the game. And being sure a hockey is. player, you need to understand that it is a part of the game. Trevor Zegers. Yeah. <laughs> well, look at this example. Maybe when the Hawks were, we were just this rebuild, uh, not rebuild, the, the 2010 runs were starting. Um, say we get off to a slow start, we're losing 3 nothing. Adam Burrs drops the gloves with a guy. All right, guys, let's go. We need to wake up here. That's like the types of fights that you like. You energize the bench. All right, we got to wake up, boys. We're getting our asses kicked out here. And then, like, say, end of the game. Like, say, hey, we, we, just, uh, we just lost to Nashville. We got to play him tomorrow night. I remember this Jordan Tutu drop with James Wisniewski. I don't know if you remember him. He, those guys had an awesome fight. And then the next game, first shift, Jordan Tutu drops with Wisniewski just to, just to set the tempo. And I think it's important too, man. I really do. And I think if the enforcer was back, it, these star players wouldn't be, they wouldn't have to worry about this. Why do you think Gretzky was so good? He didn't have to worry about fighting. He didn't have to right. worry about getting knocked. And if he did, he had McSorley. He had. He, I mean, well, if he got touched, but McSorley was there. And, and McSorley's done so many shoots and so many uh, documentaries. He goes, well, he laid a finger on Gretz. I'm, I got to kill the guy. <laughs> I, I'm going <laughs> to kill him next shift. I, that's my job. And that's why he was so good. And even uh, Steve Eiserman's always said, Bob Probert made it easier for me. You know, Man. people like that. Even Ty Domi made it easier for Matt Sundin and all yeah. those guys, Dougie Gilmore and. I was so going to say I, Dougie I, Gilmore. I'm I'm sure he made it easy yeah. for. He was a tough little cookie though himself. Yeah, you man, know? he so. was a former uh, Dougie Gilmore, a former uh, any, uh, Blackhawk captain. Blackhawk captain, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember I, I traded yeah. for him a couple times in like NHL '95 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. He was so good with the Maple Leafs. He was, he so was good. man. He yeah, was. I, he was a very entertaining player. I liked him a lot. I think you posted on the Twitter page about Peter Bondra a couple couple weeks ago, and I was like, holy shit! I think that's Peter Bondra. Uh, yeah. he was great for the, great for the Washington Capitals. Caps, yeah. Caps, yeah. 500 goals with the Blackhawks. Wow. I was at, I was at that game. Oh, were you? Yep. It was, uh, oh uh, six, I believe it was. Yeah. It was oh six. We, we brought in Bondra mid season and he was at 496 goals in his career. And he got, you know, it took him a while. We were playing the Maple Leafs. It was actually packed full house. And, uh, he ended up getting it. Big goal. Got the game-winning goal. And you know what? People were clapping and stuff, but it's nothing like it would have been like, say, you know, like when Kaner gets his 500 goal. It's oh, going to yeah. be a celebration, man. Yeah. Like balloons are going to be falling down. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was. he was a good hawk. And, uh, you know, he was another. They used to call him, I think, Banzai. Banzai Bandra because he had that awesome shot. And, yeah, um, he did, man. A lot he of people didn't too. even know. 
Yeah, he was a great skater. A lot of people didn't even know he was a Blackhawk. He he played yeah. for one season. And I remember that. I, I was happy when we got him. I was like, cool, this is like worth going now. I mean, we we got no one else. You right. know, Matthew Barnaby is like our <laughs> top five leading goal scorer right now. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to head off to our fan questions, which is something new that we're doing, but it's something that we really enjoy because um, we want to hear what the fans, you know, want to ask or, you know, what's going on with them. So we're going to start off with Piercy. Do you think that Lankinen should get the rest of the season in the crease to see if he can capture what he had last season? And is Delia now done in the Hawks org? I don't ever see him as a starter in the big leagues. Well, Piercy, I'll go first on this one, Matt. Go ahead. I would like to see Lincoln and get the starts for the rest of the season. The problem is, is that I think that the the damage from him not having any playing time really this season is already done. Um, he needs confidence. I don't think that he's going to get it playing uh, in the rest of the season, but I think that it would be good for the organization to start him regardless, just so that he can get the experience and maybe have you know, a couple wins at the end of the season that he can go into the off season in his training and have a, a positive to, to kind of lean into for the rest of, to go into next season. Um, as far as Delia, I think that the Hawks are done with him. Um, I think that he is a stellar uh, AHL goalie, but I don't think that he's a, an NHL goalie. And I think that's what a lot of people miss between the AHL and the NHL, that there's a very big gap between the, the talent top talent from the AHL to the NHL being a top talent. You know, it's just, I'm not saying that they're not talented. I think the AHL actually has gotten more talented over the past 10 years and is a very talented league. But, you know, the NHL is just the best of the best. I mean, that's what it is. I think that Delia is gone. I think that they're going to keep Soderblom in uh, going to be a full-time starter for the AHL next season. And I think that's kind of the goalie situation as of right now. What do you think, Matt? I'll start with Delia. I could see him coming back at a two, like, what do you call it? A two-way deal. If, like, may, he might test the free agent waters. I don't think he's going to get much. But I could see him going down to Rockford and maybe playing uh, behind uh, Soderblom. Um I just, uh, with, with Lankinen, yes, I think he should get majority of the starts. Just to see, I mean, I think they're going to resign him because who else do we have? Quite honestly, we don't really have anyone that has that much uh, NHL experience. I would like to see the Hawks bring in a backup, maybe even trade for a guy they think that could be a starter, like a Corpusello type of guy, uh, Gorgiev from the Rangers. Uh, but even if you want to make an incredible splash, go for Spencer Knight. Because I think Bob is playing good for the Panthers and $10 million a year for their starting goalie. I don't think Spencer Knight's going to see that much time. So, I mean, that that would be a dream for me. But back to Lankinen, I think the Hawks will probably give him another year just to say, like, hey, listen, you, we know you were hurt and you, you spent a lot of the time watching Flurry play and we like to see what happens. And it's a rebuild, so, I mean, if he's really bad, it's just going to help our um, draft pick status. So, Matt, hypothetically, how do you think that a possible uh, Spencer Knight deal could happen between the Hawks and the Panthers? Uh, I, well, I'd hate to give up a first-round pick. I, I don't think we would do that. I think we'd have to give up uh, Soderblom, obviously, for a goalie, 
maybe a, another top prospect, but I would not give up uh, Reichel. Mitchell, maybe. I just he's so he's such a good goalie, and I think he's just gonna rot away down there if he's not given a net to play in every night. I think that would be if I'm the GM and he's available. I think I would do everything I could to get him. But right now it would be hard to, we don't really have much to give, you know what I mean? So it'd have to be a sweet deal for Florida. I think that Mitchell is is on my untouchable list. I think he could be the next Brian Campbell, to be honest with you. Yeah, he, he's been looking good in these clips I've been seeing him in on Twitter. He skating the puck up well. Uh, he's a very good skater, good vision. I it's a shame we didn't get to see him. I'm, I know they're going for a playoff spot, and they, you know, they probably want him and Bodan to play a lot of minutes down there, which is good. But uh, why are you doing this with Reichel right now? I mean, even Delia, if you're going for something in Rockford, you you want your best players, and they're, you know, they're in better contention than the Blackhawks right now. And I, I think I would, I would leave them down there as long as I can. And the next season, give them a, a good, a good shot. Man, the last I heard was Bowden was on the um, was on the extras list for the playoffs. See that that I don't get because last year he was really good with us. He was, and I don't understand why he's getting shafted. And I mean, maybe it's because we signed McCabe and uh, Connor Murphy. I know we have him, but quite honestly, I think Ian Mitchell is a better defenseman than Connor Murphy is. I think that if you took put him in his spot, he's still better, and he's going to produce numbers too, just because he's got some offensive talent. Right. I, I I like Seth Jones. I actually like Caleb Jones too. I think I he's do. Been, Me too. been a big surprise, and I know we got rid of Duncan Keith for him, and it's like he's never going to be Duncan Keith, but he's he's pretty solid. I like that he jumps up in the play. He's not afraid to you know jump up with the forward and go to the net. That's that's good. You want to see your defenseman do that sometimes, but. Uh, I just, I think I, the only defenseman on my list for next year is Seth Jones right now. I, and obviously we got McCabe and we got Murphy, but I could see them getting moved if people are interested. I think McCabe fits well, man, especially if he has the right uh, partner to play with. You know what? Think of this. What do you think about Mitchell and McCabe on a line together? Yeah, it's kind of reminds me of like a Seabrook, um, Keith type of thing in, in the early days. You know, you got the running gunner and then you got the steady Freddy yeah. in the cave and toughness. He's not gonna let his partner get, you know, knocked around because he's a tough guy. He'll he'll defend his teammates. I, I like McKay, but I just don't think he's gonna last long with the rebuild stage. Mm, that's too bad. I like him too. So we'll move on to the next question. This one's coming from Blake who we just had on the podcast, by the way. If you haven't listened to it, listen to our last podcast that we just dropped on uh, on the 4th. If we win the draft lottery, do you think that changes our strategy heading into next season? Or do we add pieces so we don't give up such a good pick to CBJ next season? To be honest with you, um, you know, it, it doing all this voodoo with... Uh, <clears throat> all this voodoo yes. with the... Oh. You know, it's like you don't know what what to happen. I kind of w- I want the Blackhawks to give a, a good. Um, I want them to give a good effort, but at the same time, um, I I don't want them to to just tank purposely. So, um, I don't know, Matt. Where where do you stand with that? I'm kind of caught into a. I want to yeah, get the tough. best draft pick that we can, but I'm not sure if I want them to kind of 
you know, tank for it. Well, if that's why I'm I'm thinking Lankanen's going to be back, even if he is bad from here to the stretch. I think they're just they're going to put in. They're not going to spend money. I don't think we're. You're not going to see a big free agent signing. Um, I I I'd like to see the Hawks like be a little bit better than this year. You know, I I like to see him get a little bit younger and faster and stronger. Uh, it's it's a tough one. It's I mean I don't want Columbus to get a good pick. You know, like could they actually? Honestly, they got a Colt. They got Cole Sillinger with our um, Seth Jones pick. For when we gave him a first round, and he's going to be a good player for them. Uh, yeah, this is this is a tough one for me. I mean, I, I don't want him to tank, but I do want him to speed up the rebuild. But I know you can't have it both ways. So I, I just hope they're at least a little entertaining. There's some skill, like say Reichel is really good, and he's competing for like a Calder, maybe just to keep fans interested. And you know, some good players, like hey, we're gonna we got we're gonna be good in a couple of years. Let's go watch these young guys. You know. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I'd like them to be, like, a close 500 team because this, fifth, what are we, like, 10, 15 games under 500? That's brutal. And losing the Phoenix Coyotes twice? Come on. It just can't happen, man. Just compete a full 60 minutes. That's all I ask. This one is from the Brush Lion. If the Hawks retired two numbers next year, who would it be and why? Do you want me to do one and then you do one? Sure. All right, I'll do one. Um, you know what, man? If the Hawks were to retire two numbers next year, um, I, I think they'd have to go with Steve Larmer. I think that he's one of the most unheralded Blackhawks of, of all time. Uh, doesn't get enough credit for, for what he did and the impact that he made on the Blackhawks and the player that he was. So I think that Steve Larmer should have his number retired. So number 28 should be in the rafters. Right. I think 27 should be in the rafters right next to him, uh, JR. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen because people don't like outspoken dudes like Ronick. I mean, 50% of them do, like me, but the other 50 think he's probably rude, cocky, and whatever, arrogant. But uh, he was a, an awesome Blackhawk, man. He 50 goals back-to-back, uh, and he never won that Stanley Cup, which I wish that he you know, even with the Hawks in 91, he was close, but not even that close because Pittsburgh just destroyed him. And then uh, I, th- I think he was close with Philly a couple times. He just never got over that. But for me, Ronick is, j- he was the man, you know, when we were kids, it was Michael Jordan with the Bulls. It was Ronick and, you know, Ronick and company with the Blackhawks. But I mean, his first year, he scored 26 goals. The next year, he jumps to 41, 53, 50, 46, 32. I mean, and then he all that drama with uh, Bill Wirtz, who was, as he's an asshole, he, he wouldn't resign him over $400,000 or whatever. I know it was a lot of money back then, but, dude, this guy just put up back-to-back 50-goal seasons. You got you to gotta cherish that. So, for me, I'd like to see Jeremy Roenick up there. I would, too. I would too, definitely. And one more, we've actually gotten about four different versions of this, um, of this question about Reichel. Um, thoughts on burning a year of his eligibility. What do you think, Matt? I don't think that the Hawks should. I think they should just let him do the run in Rockford, let him, let him uh, go out, uh, ho- hopefully with a deep playoff run, 
have a good summer of training and then show up to camp ready to go. So this whole thing, like if they call him up for 10 something games, it, he, it counts as a, the first year of his entry level, right? Right. Is right. that what people? Have? Yeah. You burn a level of, of his, of his, of his entry level. If they do more than nine games, I believe. Okay. So, I mean, I don't really see the difference. I mean, he's not really putting up like, it's not like he's been called up and he has nine points in nine games or anything. So, I, I mean, to me, it doesn't matter. I don't really think it's a big story. I personally, I would like to see him get a chance that Kirby Doc never got. I want to see him what he could do 82 games without being sent up and down. And I hope Kirby yeah. gets that next year, too. But I, I, it doesn't really, to me, it's a non thing. But I, I would like to see him play in the playoffs with. The Ice Hogs, though, because I think playoff hockey, North American, is different than Europe hockey, German hockey, wherever he played. So yeah, I would Germany. like to see, yeah, I would like to see him, you know, have a good AHL run and maybe help the Ice Hogs uh, knock the Wolves out or something. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. That's all that we've got for you tonight. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. We love you guys. This is the Tomahawk, and we're out of here.